This segment of Off the Hosel is powered by SaskGolfer.com. He gave it away. Coulter scores. Hey everybody, welcome back to episode number 22 of Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I'm your host, and I'm joined by Troy, my co-host. Hello! Yes, we got that figured out finally for all you folks out there complaining about your speakers getting blown out and going to the local uh, car dealership. Anyhow, Troy, happy to have you back in house here. Glad to be here, Drew. And also, we're joined today by, uh, you know, he's... Miss, Mr. Green Thumb. Mr. Green Thumb. Uh, Danny D. Haggs is in the house today. Boys, how's it going? <laughs> Living the dream. Can't complain, man. Uh, episode 22 today. And I don't know. I mean, I don't know where to start off with this thing here. Troy, um, how was your weekend? What's going on with you? My weekend was very, mm, in one word, vanilla. Didn't well, get tough. up to too much. Didn't get up too much. Too Nothing. windy out. Yeah, it was brutal. How about you there, uh, D-Hags? Oh, work all weekend, so nothing. Yeah, Absolutely for all nothing. you guys out there thinking that we're, uh, we just podcast all day, it'd be, it would be definitely nice. Uh, we're not doing that. We actually have jobs like all you. We have daytime jobs. So. Yeah, we have, day, we have day jobs. We're, we're grinders. We, we work 10-hour days and then come work here. Hours. Oh, okay. Close, close enough. We, we do have D-Hags the mic, Troy, and you just won't shut up now. So That's, that's uh, okay. It gives me a break. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As Troy's crushing a... Nice pilsner here on a Wednesday morning. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. We're recording Tuesday night for all you guys listening. <laughs> um, yeah, so my weekend, no one asked me, but that's, that's cool. Hey, Drew, question for you. Yeah, what's up? How was your weekend? It was good. I was in uh, I was in Weyburn on Friday, played some golf, took out a few players and did some recruiting. Came home. It was my, my gal's birthday, 25th birthday, and we had a good time there. And then Sunday, I woke up at 6, 5.30 maybe. And head up to Melfort and played uh, their golf course there and recruited some more guys. And it was a great weekend. I shot 68 on Friday and 69 in that hurricane on Sunday. Was that just after 9? Uh, no, because I would have left. But uh, no, by the way, though, both courses, unbelievable shape. You know, uh, Kevin out in Melfort there and Drew out in, uh, in Weyburn, great job. I mean, you know, with the lack of rain we've had, <laughs> the courses looked really good. And I was really happy to play Melfort the first time, too. And, you know, Weyburn was in good shape. How is that Melford one out there? Ah, I mean, it's, you know, green. It, honestly, it was so green. I just needed a lot more rain than we had down here, but um, it was a fun track. It's it's different. Greens are kind of, I think, tiny, if I can remember. Um, but, yeah, really really nice course, well-maintained, and Weyburn as well. I mean, you know, as sometimes, you know, Drain Dillette said in his interview, you uh, did unfortunate with a Weyburn lie. I had that a few times, but, uh, no, I made it work, so... Uh, had a lot of fun, good weekend, and now I'm, I'm happy to be uh, back here. Not, not at work early, but I mean happy to work in and back in the in-house with you guys. So, yep. um, I don't know. I don't have, I mean, Troy, what else we got going on here? Um, golf news, I guess, quickly here. Uh, the Reliance Greg Central Amateur is June 27th, 29th in Saskatoon. We're hoping for that one to be happening. You know, we've already canceled three events and, you know, for all the Sask guys listening, this is obviously, today's a great podcast for everyone listening today. Um, I guess we'll go right to our guests. I guess we want to do that or do we want to do the golf update first? Well, we may as well do the golf update. I mean, the other thing that we noticed this past, when they announced it on Monday, I guess it was, John Deere Classic's been canceled, which I believe was in Illinois. Illinois? Illinois? Where's John Michael Laws from again? 
Zionsville, Indiana. <laughs> okay, not very. Cl- I mean, they're probably cool. Who knows? Anyhow, but yeah, that's terrible news as well. Obviously, from the PGA side of things. Um, but I guess even as far as you know, Saskatchewan golf, we're hoping that we. I'm sure they're finding a way to try and play. I did hear uh, from. Un- I'm not gonna re- release the name. They are trying to have some sort of, um, you know, a SAS amateur still going to have to try and do it. I'm hoping for that because my game is starting to turn around right now. So look at all you guys. I'm still uh, waiting to swing the sticks. Haven't got out yet. Not even the range? Not even to the range. Hopefully this weekend I get out. Uh Uh-oh. I think you you and I might have to go and do a round. Yeah, let's get on that this weekend. And Danny? Because I haven't gone yet either. So we'll have to to get out. How many strokes are you going to give us? Mm, I'll give you guys 10 aside. I get 10 now. That's not bad. Yeah, I'll take that. Play for $100 a hole. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. We don't, we're not, we don't work really big jobs. Anyways, uh, Daniel, by the way, looking at your face right now, finally you're happy you're in here. Uh, big shout out to uh, Donnie and Extreme Hockey and Umbrella Marketing. Uh, we got some stuff in. And when you listen to this podcast right now, you're going, yeah, I've heard that before probably. But hey, Thursday morning, I'm pumping out. Some PR or Troy is or Daniel is. We got some hats. Some what are they? Are they forty-seven hats? They're called. Yeah, forty-seven. We got navy, beige, black, gray. So they're pretty sweet. They're nice hats. Very, yeah, very nice hats. We'll put out a post, and if you want one, give us a holler. No different than before with the stickers. Just DM us, and we'll uh, we'll figure a way how to get you some hats. And yeah, maybe we'll run a contest too. Yeah, I um, sorry, had to burp there. Um, yeah, as far as it, let's do it, you know, actually let's just call right now. Let's just do a player golf, a head cover for okay. everybody chase over a player. We'll do a player golf head cover, maybe a hat. And why don't we throw one of our new off the hustle, uh, golf shirts, golf shirts, all one person or three people. Let's do one person. Just really get it going. Yeah. Let's spoil someone. Yep. Spoil someone. Okay. And yeah, next, I'll then maybe next time. And actually maybe we'll even throw in a divot into our golf hoodie too. They threw in, threw in our way. That's a pretty primo package. Look so at our supporters, though, hey? Look, yeah. Thank wow. You. Spe- speaking, sorry, guys. Speaking of supporters, uh, Divots Indoor Golf today sponsors the Off the Hosel podcast. Are you looking for a fantastic way to improve your golf game throughout this winter? Divots Indoor Golf has seven state-of-the-art PGA-approved golf simulators to keep your golf game in swing and shape 12 months a year. Whether you are a beginner to a scratch golfer, from the range to Pebble Beach, to the most realistic putting, come check us out. Don't just play the game, win the game. Divots Indoor Golf. Yeah, okay. That's, we're doing it then. We're going to do Divots Hoodie. I think it's a zip up. A player golf head cover. Unbelievable. Looks so sweet. Uh, I might just keep it myself. No, we'll give it away. That, a Divots Hoodie, uh, uh, Off the Hosel Golf Shirt, and a Off the Hosel 47, 47 hat. They're called? Yeah. 47 era. Yeah, so they're so cool. Like We're all wearing them right now. No one can see this right now, but we're all wearing them. So okay, well, after we uh, get off the mics here, we'll come up with a plan to give this. Way. It's quite a package to give. Yeah. So yeah. Maybe, right. maybe well, do something a little different than tag three people. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. But uh, everyone keep your eyes and ears posted. Check out social media, <laughs> Facebook. Ears posted. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> oh, that's good. Facebook off the hosel, Twitter underscore off the hosel, Instagram underscore off the hosel. Yeah. And I think yeah, you have to be following to a chance to win. Um, Troy will get those details out for you guys. Um, anything else, Troy or Daniel, before we, you know, we'll talk about, you know, our, our first guest on inside the clubhouse today and our, our podcast guest today. Uh, I don't know. Did you want to touch on maybe why we didn't do any postings, uh, yesterday? Oh, 
man, you just put me on the spot there. I don't know. I, I just I, I was reading. Some, I tried to stay off actually on Twitter on and social media on Monday, and then you know Tuesday I was like, yeah, people are saying kind of it's kind of a quiet day. So we didn't put out any content, and obviously for you know what's going on in the world right now, it's 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 bananas. it's a scary scary place we live in. We we're dealing with a pandemic, and then now. Yeah, the unfortunate. And Ebola now, two out in Congo now. Actually, I heard yeah, that. So it's, you know, but... But you know what? That's why we, we do this podcast, right? Yeah. No, keep, and... Keep and, people's and it's, minds off what's going on in the real world and uh, enjoy some good golf content. Yeah, and as far as social media, I, I just, I really felt that maybe we just follow the trend and, and, not, and, and we definitely, we're all, you know... What is the proper word? I mean, we're supportive. We're supportive of what's what's the cause. The cause was going on. Sorry, yeah, I wasn't very good in literature. Um, is that the correct word? Literature schooling? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, but yeah, so we didn't post any content. Uh, but you know, with Wednesdays, this podcast they now dropping today, and Thursday we will get out some. You know, our new hats. Like I'm so pumped to put that post out. Um, anything else, or Daniel or, or Troy? Nope. I good. think uh, let's check out one of our first guests. Okay, so what we'll do is we're gonna our first guest today is inside the clubhouse, and he actually didn't give me his last name, so we're just gonna go off of uh, it's Larry. The, he's the Davidson. <laughs> Everyone's like, who's the hell is Larry? No, Larry is the the general manager. I think maybe a part owner of the Davidson Golf Course, just outside Regina and all the way to Saskatoon. Everyone knows who that is. Um, really did talk with him. You know, he's on the way home and actually has great audio, so he talks about his golf course and what they're doing, and uh, really did interview with him for about I think six or seven minutes. It was. Followed up by two legends. I mean, wow. Yeah, and it's our first uh, repeat offender, Mr. Two-Timer, I guess we can call him. Downtown Dean Brown, Mr. 61. And the main attraction of the podcast is Mr. Scott Knapp. Yeah, it was a treat. You know, that was our first in-person live interview. And I'm not going to lie, I was a little nervous because we'd never done that before. But, you know, after getting to meet those guys, I know you know Dean, but, you know, I got to finally meet him. And then meeting Scott, just awesome people. Um, interview went really, really well. Found out some pretty cool stories. Um, don't want to give them many. Even off the record, too. Yeah, off the record, yeah. Um, don't want to give too many stories away. But my my favorite thing, I think, with Scott Knapp was the uh, Mo Norman stories about. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, I got a good chuckle every time he was doing that, so. Well, and it was funny because obviously it was, it was our first in-house interview and we had, uh, I said on the podcast, you'll hear it, we had three mics for four people. So if you do the math, yeah, it was a little tough, but we figured it out actually. And, you know, a few times, you know, we're tossing around some Molson product there. Uh, you know, I, I did some digging and I found out Scotty's favorite beer is out of a bottle and MGD. And he had a few and, you know, Dino is obviously great too. He has some, so much great insight. Both of you guys have insight on the game for anyone listening that's, that wants to play like they're they're so smart and they've been there they've done everything um yeah great 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 show uh okay anything else i mean let's, let's send it over now to our you know to larry with the davidson golf course and then followed up by uh dean brown and scotty knapp off the hosel and inside the clubhouse are proudly sponsored now by last mountain distillery saskatchewan's first micro distillery is family owned and operated located in lumsden saskatchewan the heart of grain country our success lies in our commitment to producing high-quality handcrafted spirits. Our signature products include Saskatchewan's best-selling, naturally-infused Dale Pedro Vodka, our naturally-infused organic cherry whiskey, apple pie moonshine, and more. Our craft distilling process brings out the full flavor of the grain and leaves a smooth finish unlike any other. 
Visit us in Lumsden or watch for our full lineup of products at your favorite local retailer. Alrighty, we are now back on Inside the Clubhouse, the segment from Off the Hosel. My name is Drew Koser, and I'm joined by the Clubhouse manager, Larry, over the Davidson Golf Course. Uh, what's going on, Larry? How are you doing? Good, very good. Yeah, you, and you? Uh, I can't complain. I mean, it's, what is it, it's a Sunday evening, and, you know, I played some golf yesterday. My golf game isn't very good by any means, but this segment is not about me. It's about you and your golf course. So how is, uh, how is the Davidson track holding up? Actually, it's doing pretty good. We're uh, we're dealing with the coronavirus, and we're trying to uh, accommodate everybody the best we can. Tee times are going good, and uh, it's looking like it's going to be a good year after we get over this little hurdle we're dealing with. Yeah, so I mean, this is a nine-hole feature we're doing this week. You know, we've we've done your course, Davidson. We've done Fort Capel. We've done Tatapua, Calvinton. Um, you know. I want to try and figure out how we can grow the nine hole courses in Saskatchewan. Cause I mean, there's a lot of good ones. I was curious to ask, how are you as a clubhouse manager running a nine hole course with, you know, limited tee times and limited members now? I mean, how are those numbers looking for you and how is the, how's the golf? Well, everything's looking really good for us right now. We've got a good, strong membership and uh, they're very faithful to the course. And we actually are on highway 11, which helps us out a lot. We have a lot of, uh, stop-in customers from both cities, Regina, Saskatoon, and then the, the city of Moose Jaw also. We have quite a few clientele there. And uh, people are pretty receptive to the way we're doing things, and uh, they're trying to help us out the best we can dealing with this uh, closure. And we're going to open on June the 8th uh, for full service again, and uh, hopefully that'll help us out quite a bit. It's funny, actually. I, was, I actually played at Davidson a few times. There was the Optimist Golf Tournament there that, you know, if you won, you moved on to down to Montana, and I won the one year. It's actually a great track out there. I, I like the Davidson course. Yeah, it's a pretty easy course. Uh, people <laughs> enjoy it. It's, uh, you know, it's pretty uh, level. It's It's got a little few challenges, but a uh, beautiful course, uh, lots of trees, and, of course, uh, we give great service and uh, we aim to please to help our customers have a good time. So I want to ask, I mean, I don't, obviously with COVID, are you guys having, you know, tournaments? I mean, when do those come into play? I mean, uh, what are some of the prices that you guys charging? Are there different, ha- have those prices fluctuated a little bit with, you know, the, the pandemic? I mean, are, are they kind of the same and, and what are those, what do they cost for a round? And yeah. Okay, pretty much everything's the same as last year. We charge twenty-one dollars a round for uh, for a, a mem- or not a member uh, uh, a drop-in or uh, a tea time, and uh, it's eleven dollars per person per cart. Of course, we have to limit the carts for one per person. And uh, other than that, you know, we're trying to do our best in this uh, problem we're living in, and uh, we just kind of. Uh, are going day by day and like i said the restaurant will open on the first of or the 8th of june and hopefully we can have lots more uh, men's nights and ladies nights like we usually do every year and uh, hopefully that'll all come you know come to a good head and we, we get going so i was curious too obviously with i mean uh golfing and you know playing out there how are some of the, I mean, are there any new holes? Are there any new features? I mean, I've been playing there since I was 15, 16. Ha, has it changed a whole lot? 
Actually, it hasn't changed a whole lot uh, with this problem we're having now. We've put uh, uh, pool noodles, I guess, in the holes so that you don't have to go in to get your ball out and uh, at the flag. And, you know, uh, the course is in good shape. We've gotten an inch and two-tenths of rain, so it's really helped out in that aspect. And uh, just keeping keeping things going, and it's nice and green. The greens are in good shape, and everything seems to be going good. Well, Larry, lastly, before I let you go here, um, where can everyone find the Davidson Golf Course? I mean, online, what's the website, social media? How do they book a tee time? Uh, the best uh, way to book a tee time is to call me directly on my cell phone at uh, 306-567-3180. Or call the clubhouse at uh, 306-567-4242. Uh, they can also go online to our Facebook page, Davidson Golf Club, and uh, help us out that way uh, by liking us and uh, sharing our posts. Uh, I try to post on there daily and uh, just keep people informed on the, the conditions of the course and you know just things we're doing. As for tournaments and uh, those kind of things, they're on hold right now until this uh problem gets solved in the whole world today actually so you know we're just kind of playing it day by day and we're doing the best we can right on larry well this has been awesome i'm looking forward to heading that way at some point this summer and getting out to play the davidson golf course again i will uh, be in touch with you and uh i'll see you then thank you very much and uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you and uh i hope to see you someday and uh come on out and play davidson golf course take care larry all right Alrighty, we're here in the studio at Timberstone, uh, presenting sponsor obviously with DK. He just left the building. Uh, we're joined by two very special guests, two legends in their own. Uh, first off, we have a reoccurring guest, uh, Mr. Downtown, Mr. 61, Dean Brown. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me back. I'm looking forward to it. And on over to Mr. Scott Knapp. Uh, Scott, you were a very highly touted guest. The Twitter page, Instagram, Facebook page blew up for you. How's it going? It's going great, Drew. Thanks for having me. And that's, uh, well, surprising to me that people would want to hear about uh, an old guy like me. <laughs> well, it's funny, actually, because, I mean, we, we put out the post. Before, actually, before we put the post out, I actually had to, like, couldn't get your number. No one would give it to me. You're a hard guy to find. I had to go on via Facebook Messenger, ask Kelly, like, what's your dad's number? Would you mind giving it to me? I need it for a podcast. He's like, yeah, here it is, blah, blah. So I get the number. I text you. It was like three hours later, my uh, Kelly, he didn't text me back. He's like, he's older. He's not used to his phone. Just give him some time. <laughs> so, yeah, we're happy to have both of you guys on today. Uh, Troy's in here. And if anyone's wondering, we have three mics for four of us, so do the math. And we will be uh, having some, not <laughs> issues, but uh, there could be some pauses for uh, mic tossing. Uh, Dino, first we'll go to you. How are things at the golf course? Uh, you know, how are the club running? Are the tee times booked? I mean, how's the flow busy? Yeah, it's been, uh, it's been good. It's, uh, surprisingly, uh, it's been really smooth. I think the members have all embraced the situation that we're in. Everybody, uh, understands what, uh, what has to be done. We've, uh, had a lot of communication with the members and, uh, you know, everyone is just so anxious to get going. That we've we've had no problems at all, and yeah, it's busy. Every every time is booked, and uh, people are getting used to the new normal out there, or the normal for the time being, anyway, and and uh, getting some golf in. So yeah, it's been great. It's been uh, it's been really good. So Dean, uh, Drew can't figure out tea time bookings. 
Drew, uh, yeah, it's a struggle for Drew when it comes to uh, organizing things like uh, four guys on one tea time. And that's such horseshit because I, <laughs> no, it's not me. And I'm going to say it again. I'm gonna, actually, I won't say his name again. I, I've grilled him twice in two podcasts now. I won't say him again. He bailed on the tea time. All I'm saying is I get a text at 11 o'clock at night about my tea time tomorrow morning. There's obviously a problem. Well, And it's not me. This is a good thing that this is uh, my show, Dean. So we're going to swing on over now to uh, Scott Knapp here. Uh, Napper, how is the retired life? You just mentioned that you are, you know, you played golf last Friday off the record. How is, uh, how is retired life? How's things? Uh, retired life is, is great. Um, I've been about a year and a half now, but uh, you don't realize it until about three or four months into it, all the things that you've been missing. And uh, I found an awful lot of uh, things to do, and my wife has found even more. Um, but no, it's been awesome. Thanks. So I want to backtrack to a young Scott Knapp's life. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here. You were born in Deseronto, Ontario. How was that? And when did you get into golf? And what, what, what are the sports were you playing? Well, um, I got into golf. That's what you asked first. Uh, my aunt asked me to caddy for her. Really? And uh, I was 13 at the time. And three days later, I was playing, and it's, it hasn't stopped since then. Um, but uh, most of my uh, teen years were playing hockey and golf. Uh, I ended up becoming more interested in it every year and found out I wasn't going to make it as a hockey player so, uh, and a little less rough. So I took the golf side of it and uh, just started my practice for three years of almost every day, 500 balls a day, that that's what I was going to do. And, but it took me till I was 23 to uh, finally do it. So, golf podcast, yes, but I want to backtrack a little bit to your hockey career. Um, you played junior hockey, if our facts are true. If you could possibly uh, let us, our listeners know about your junior hockey days. And, and, and any good stories to go along. Yeah, well, as I said, hockey was my, my love, uh, that, as most young Canadian boys. But, uh, and I was decent at it, but weighing about 135 pounds, I... Um, I had to scrap pretty good to, to get into junior hockey when I was 15. So I played for until I was 20. But it was a junior C loop out of the town of Napanee. It was the Napanee Kelly Tireman. And, uh, but we were, because of the population, as you know, that's how you get designated as a C. And we, we actually played games against uh, the Toronto Marlboros, the, the uh, Belleville Bulls. Um, for whatever reason, they wanted to play us. And uh, we actually beat both of them. So um, I kept playing but knew I, I wasn't going to make it. But just because of my buddies and everything else, we had a heck of a time. And uh, as I think I was telling you earlier before this started, that um, I was the only one that played golf on the hockey on our junior team. And they thought that I was quite the pansy, that, uh, <laughs> that um Hockey players don't play golf. That's a, a wimp's game. And by the end of my second year, everybody on the team was playing golf. It was it was pretty incredible. Yeah. So, I mean, Scott, you, I mean, you started playing golf at the age of thirteen. How much junior golf and amateur golf were you involved in? I mean, were you playing a ton of you know events? And what really caught your eye about you know? I mean, obviously now, where you got to at the time when you were like, hey, like, is golf kind of leisure or is it competitive right away? And you wanted to be you know the best at it. Well, again, going back to hockey, I think the competitive part was the same in the golf. Um, 
that at an early age we would play junior tournaments and uh, I don't know, it just becomes a part of you. So that was the main reason was uh, to play tournaments and did that through the amateur ranks uh, for probably five, six years, yeah. So Dino, I'm going to swing that question over to you now. Same thing. When I mean, we've talked a ton off off the record, and just so you, you've coached me, and and anyways, not about me, but everyone else listening. When were you like, hey, like I could really be good at this? I mean, and you know, Scott mentions practice, practice, practice. You've you preach it to me all the time. You can't cheat the game, and I was just curious, and we're curious when you know when was it really a, a thing for you? I think it came a lot later for me. Again, like Scott. You know, mm. hockey was the passion when I was younger, and I started playing in my teens, and it was pretty casual, really, to be honest. I didn't really play much competitive stuff as a junior until until my last year, and uh, it was more became a summer job, and then it evolved into uh, working in the pro shop, and then it's okay, well, maybe I should try this assistant pro thing, and started playing a lot more, and then, you know, after my brief little college stint with golf, uh, realized that the PGA Canada was sort of calling my name because it's what I wanted to do. And the the real competitive play sort of followed after that. I think I, I was a competitive amateur my last few years, but it was probably my later 20s where I really started to think, you know, I, I'm, I started playing a lot better and started maybe having aspirations of trying to trying to play the game for a living. Uh, a little later than most would have, a little different route, but that's kind of my evolution in uh, towards trying to pl actually play the game for a living. So Scott, at age of 23, you decided to go out and make the next step to chase the dream. How was it feeling? Was it, was it nervous? Was there anxiety, uh, excitement, overwhelming? Uh, probably all of those, um, but as I said, I, I decided that's what I wanted to do, and I had done all my homework and all my practice, and I felt I was ready uh, when I finally did turn pro, uh, but um, I got my card on, in 1975 on the Canadian Tour, and um, there's a lot more to uh, playing uh, tour golf than just playing the game. There's travel and everything else. It's expensive. So I had to deal with all those things other than the golf side of it. So my first year was a feeling things out more. And uh, so I had a, a fair year, but nothing very good. And the second year it took off because now I knew how to travel and book things and, uh, you know, get caddies in certain cities and whatnot. So, you know, um, it was intimidating, but uh, I realized after a short period of time that they put their everybody puts their pants on the same way and they all hit bad shots they all hit good ones but the fewer bad ones you hit the more money you're going to make <laughs> and yeah dean touch on that please napper can i just uh can you talk a little bit about the apprentice program at the national that you got in on <clears throat> and maybe just uh let the people know some of the guys you worked with at the national club there that's why we have dino here yes that's uh that's a good question there Dino, um, that was my second year on the uh, Canadian tour, and the gentleman, Gil Blackman, who owned the National Golf Club, decided that he wanted to have the, the top six players in Canada be at his golf course under the tutorship of uh, Ben Kern, uh, George Knudsen, and Al Balding. So that's not a bad little trio. That's, that's three pretty big names in Canadian yeah. golf. And so I was very fortunate to be asked to go to the national and uh, 
I lived in the locker room and as a night watchman at night, but uh, it was a heck of a program, uh, very regimented, and we worked hard with Al and George and uh, Ben, but uh, yeah, and the golf course itself, it's one of the best that you'll ever play, so um, it, it was an honor to be there, um, and it was, we had some interesting stories, because as you know, my golf swing is exactly not a classic. It might, <laughs> it's uh, a thing of beauty, and opera always yeah, has been. Yeah, yeah, it's in the eye of the beholder, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I didn't, I know it was my turn to pick the range the one time after they had videotaped their golf swings at the National. And I came in, it was my turn picking the range. So when I came in, they'd already done the analysis of these swings, unbeknownst to me. And the guys were looking at me uh, rather strangely. And apparently Balding said, where did you find this guy? <laughs> and because he said, that uh, is quite the golf swing. <laughs> so, but that was quite a different swing at the time, was it not? It was. Than what you have now? Oh, yeah. And it was changed. It was changed uh, after that. But actually, if the truth be known, I'd rather have the old one because I, was, <laughs> I think I hit the ball better with it. <laughs> Yeah, I remember you telling me that story, saying yeah. you wonder how what how it could have been had you not changed. Yeah. Well, for the, all the golfers that are listening to this, um, maybe you won't remember these guys, but there was a Doug Sanders who had the shortest golf swing that there was, and he played the PGA Tour forever. And there was Don January. Well, I was du Doug Sanders. That was about the length of my golf swing. And by the end of my session at the National for two or three years, I was Don January, who had the longest swing in golf. So, <laughs> so you then played mini tours and qualified for the Canadian Tour in 1975. Uh, how, how are those experiences? And, and you got any good stories that you could share with our listeners? Oh, I have some that I, I can't share <laughs> <laughs> because the mini tours were... Uh, something else it was florida mini tours in those days were crazy oh unbelievable all they wanted was your money you, you <laughs> didn't really need to have a have to have a card they wanted your entry fee and it was woof um some very interesting characters um and a few fist fights on the golf not me but some of the guys because they didn't with the rules and whatnot they because it was a, a dog eat dog world in the mini tours um but once I got onto the Canadian tour, it was a, uh, it was a Peter Jackson tour, and it had been going for uh, quite some time. And, you know, they had Knudsen and Mo Norman and Balding and all those guys played it. And then Hollerson and Barr, who are the same age as me, um, we came on about that time in 75. And uh, so it was more polished than the mini tours. Right. And uh, um, they actually had rules officials. <laughs> So this is for both you guys. I mean, obviously, I mean, I'm not sure Dean might have played many tours and whatnot. I mean, he played some pro golf, obviously. And Scott, how were those, you know, experiences and grinds and, you know, mentally, and now you come back both to teach every young golfer and, you know, even pigeons like myself who's uh, figuring out his golf game still. But how did, like, how are those grinds is playing out there and bringing it back home to try and teach those uh, young college guys? Well, I never got there. So I had a I had a little taste of it, you know. I played a couple of uh, couple of nationwide tour events uh, when they had the uh, PGA of Canada was on that tour, and I played played the Dakota Dunes event a couple of times, and I uh, went to Cusco once. And for me, for me, I always felt like I could compete, but I just didn't have 
I wasn't prepared for what it took, I think. I know when I went to Q school, it was after I had the best year that I've ever had in Saskatchewan. I, I think I, I won just about everything I played in that year. I had all the confidence in the world. I went down to Toronto and uh, got in the Q school. I think it was at Diamondback. And uh, yeah, I got there, whistled around a couple of practice rounds under par. This is going to be a dr just a breeze to get through this. Yeah. I think there was maybe 25, 30 cards available and 150 guys or something like that. And then the morning of the first round, I got on the range and just got hit with this overwhelming feeling of what are you going to do if you do do this? What's your plan? How are you going to go about it? What, like Scott mentioned earlier, the travel. You know, Now all of a sudden, I'm going to leave my job at the golf course. I'm going to hit the road and go try and play golf for a living. And all of a sudden, this had this overwhelming anxiety just hit me and like I just wasn't prepared for what could come next and and I'm sure as you can imagine how your golf game would go after having that feeling on the range you know a couple of 76s and trunk slamming and I'll see you <laughs> see you back at the club regripping regripping season in the spring you know <laughs> so you know that's the I never really got out there but I, I definitely experienced it and I probably had a, a, a lot of uh a lot of respect for those guys and I think the last two events in I played really well in both of them and and have no complaints I was a lot more relaxed but you know it's uh, if if you want to do it it's a commitment you got to be ready for and I think maybe I I was ready golf wise but probably not ready for the other stuff of, that comes with it if I just interject with Brownie because yeah. I know uh, that you can't give it one year and brownie in my opinion is one of the best golfers i've ever played with and you know hindsight's beautiful but i know that if he had given it more time three years minimum he would have been off to the races uh, i don't know whether he wanted to hear that but he knows what i feel about his golf game but to give it a one-year crack it's it's very difficult and that's where i was given the advice when I started out, he was the head pro at Hamilton Golf Club. Dick Borthwick was his name, a big name in Canadian golf. And he told me, you go out and play the Canadian tour. Or you go out whatever tour. But he says, I want you to give a minimum of three years and hopefully five. Because he said, you don't go out and knock guys off a pedestal in one year unless you're a superstar like Tiger Woods. Yeah. But he said, you've got to give it three to five years. And I honestly think that a brownie had of he would uh we'd be talking about a lot more big wins well <laughs> appreciate that <laughs> so i was gonna ask both of you the same thing i mean obviously playing you know dm you played some you know uh, nationwide tours and you know scott would we'll, we'll touch this later that you played in new zealand and whatnot later we'll talk we'll talk about that but like mentally on the like just in those those rounds and on the golf tour i mean like how like are you preparing yourself for uh like you said, like, wow, this is uh, this is really happening today. <laughs> You're going to play around, and, and I mean, you have to like shoot 69 to just, you know, be in the top 12 or, or whatever, whatever it is. I mean, Dino, I mean, touch on that for us, and then what? We'll, and then we'll do a study. Well, I think once you're comfortable in your environment, which is is the, the number one thing, uh, you got to believe in yourself and your abilities, and you know, you get comfortable and. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm very comfortable in this, in this area, in this province, and I've gotten comfortable nationally in events now too. And, you know, I don't have a whole lot of play in left, but that's still a goal. I'd still like to win, win a national championship of some sort. 
you know, been close, but haven't haven't got it done. Uh, so it's it's about getting comfortable and and it's about being prepared. And then once you're there, you can't get in your own way. You know, I'm sure I'm sure Scott knows this as as well as anyone that you just you got to go with your instincts. You got to go with what you want to do, and you can't really force anything. You have to sort of let it happen and, and stay out of your own way. And you can't you can't worry about what you just did. You can't unhit the ball. Yeah. So you know you move on. You go find it, and you figure out what you're going to do next to to uh, to get it in the hole in tournaments. And and you really can't worry about what the other guys are doing. Unless you're in a match match play situation, if you're playing tournament golf, you have no idea what's going on in the group behind you or ahead of you. You just got to take care of yourself. Sorry, quickly before Scott goes here. I mean, that, that's crazy, D. I mean, and I know it's not. This isn't about me right now, but I mean, you've just told me so many times, like, don't get in your own way. You have so much talent. Like, they just go out and play. But I always find a way to get my own way, and man, it is so frustrating. But like I said, it's not about me. But yeah, that, that's. 100% great advice, though. I mean, for anyone Well, you're not that far off, kid. You just need one break. You'll be off to the races. I appreciate that. All right, now, Scott, over to you now. Same question. Okay, what, what was the question? I told him. I... <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, I don't even know. Oh, uh, basically, how are the grinds? You know, the grinds of oh, okay, you know, just out no. there. Mm -hmm, no. Um, well, similar to what Brownie said, but um, probably that's where... I was a practice fanatic because I believed, you know, you, you had to work. You had strong suits to your game, but you had to work on the bad parts. And to me, the short game can uh, save a lot of rounds. And I just devoted an awful lot of time to bunker play, uh, trouble shots, chipping, putting. That's where you make up ground on days that you're not striking it so well. Some days we hit nine greens, some days we hit 17 greens. But those days that you're hitting nine greens, if you have, a, a as all the good tour players do, um, have great short games, they're unbelievable. They're, they can hold it from anywhere, but they get it up and down. And we all have our pride in the number of fairways and greens we hit, but greens is number one. So what are you gonna do those days that you're not hitting 17 greens? Um, you better you're, have a good You're playing game. golf like me and getting four. <laughs> uh, oh, easy, not 98. Come well, on. Then I think we're going to have to work on your long game. <laughs> all of my game, Scott, all of my game. You got to get there at some point. <laughs> so, Scott, you go then go and you play three years on the Australian, New Ze Australian tour, the New Zealand tour. Um, you made some money that allowed you to keep playing. How was that? And, I mean... I know you got to have some good stories from playing over there. Care to share? And who is your most famous caddy? Oh, well, that's... You, you can tell t uh, some stories, Scott. I mean, you don't have to tell all the bad ones. You can tell some good ones, too. Though. <laughs> well, I'll forget Brownie's question if I don't answer it now. But the, the caddies, <laughs> uh, actually, uh, Tiger Woods caddy, Steve Williams. This was be long before he ever caddied for Tiger, but he caddied for Raymond Floyd and Greg Norman and a few guys. But when I was playing in Australia and New Zealand, there, there was a Canadian golfer who, if you follow golf, Jerry Anderson, um, very good golfer, but and a good international player. He was a Canadian from Toronto when we were best of buddies. He, Steve Williams caddied for Jerry Anderson all the time. He was his regular caddy. Jerry would leave, maybe go home for a week or two, and Steve would caddy for me. So, Tiger and I do have something to <laughs> <laughs> but that was quite an experience, and Steve was, 
uh, we were as much uh, friends as, as he was a caddy. He was a pretty neat guy. Yeah. No, uh, it's the same as you know, a lot of friends. Unfortunately, we don't stay in touch, but I don't think it long take long for us to strike it up again. Yeah. Is that the only story? Um, <laughs> sorry. Dino only, uh, well, Dino three off there, the wild sorry. card there. Yeah, sorry, I caught you <laughs> off guard, but I, I know there's a, certainly a story about some shoes. Some shoes, with not or, my shoes. No, not yours, but it's a good story from that. Yes, tour. Um, Sandy Harper, a young, well, he was younger than me. He went down to play the Australian circuit with me. Also, he's from Nanaimo, BC, and he was a very good player. He won the BC Open and a few other things, and uh, he got paired with um, uh, Gary Player and Greg Norman. If I think that's, uh, yeah, it was Gary Player. What a group! Greg, in the last group, <laughs> last group of the Australian. Masters or Open, I'm not sure which. And Harps um, was he was going out in the obviously the last group, and I had already finished. And I'm watching him walk down the fairway on the 16th hole, and he's carrying his shoes in his hand. But well, the, this is how it went, Brownie. He <laughs> lost his shoes. He couldn't find. This was before he played. He said, "Have you seen my shoes?" And I go. It's not my day to look after your shoes, Harps. So Final he had to buy. He had to, he had to go and buy a new pair of shoes. And there's not a, in those days they didn't have a lot of stock in Australia, golf balls or shoes. So he ended up with this pair of shoes, and obviously they didn't fit. And that's where I'm at now. On the 16th hole, he's carrying these, two, uh, these pair of shoes down the fairway with Greg Norman, and uh, just bloody uh, toes and Gary Player. <laughs> So, and Bad he would day put, not to cut your toenails. <laughs> <laughs> so oh he would put his shoes back on to hit the shot, and then he'd take them off again. He did this all the way in, uh, the, the last three or four holes. And he comes in, and I'm just in the locker room shaking my head going, you stupid. But, uh, and, you know, he finished fifth in the tournament. It was unbelievable. And here he had to take his shoes off between each shot. Ordered a free lotion for his feet after the yeah. round. My uh, God! But uh, no, there were. <laughs> but there were a lot of uh, really. That was the days of Bernard Longer, Seve Ballesteros, and uh, Greg Norman, and whatnot. And fortunately, I got to rub elbows and play a bit with a bunch of them. And uh, it was it was really good. The Australian circuit. Yeah. So uh, I'm gonna ask this to you, Scott. Here, I mean, you can't tell your best story yet because that's one of the questions from the gallery. Um, Mo Norman, how was he? Uh, Mo was, in one word, um, well, they talk about legends, this and that. It's the legend of Mo Norman. There is not a golfer in the world that does not know Mo Norman. And when uh, he was, I can't get into Mo's childhood and everything else, but he had a very difficult life and whatnot, and obviously he was obsessed with golf. Um, his hands were like sandpaper. He always had a golf club in his hand. Uh, and he loved looking after young golfers coming up. And I was fortunate enough to be one of them. And uh, the things that he did for you that you didn't even know he was doing, just little subtle hints with golf swing, your mental aspect, this and that. Uh, he taught me pretty much everything I know, um, which is... <laughs> <laughs> a pretty nice thing to have. Yeah. Um, he simplified things, and um, 
um, he was a very lovable man and um, just uh, well when Tiger Woods said you know there's only two people that owned their golf ball and that was Moe Norman and Ben Hogan that's really? a pretty big compliment wow that's uh yeah. but he was a very good friend of mine and I, I treasured that friendship yeah wow yeah I only saw him hit balls one time and it was awesome yeah it was just awesome so Scott, quickly before we, you know, and this is, uh, I don't know, we talked off record, and I got the green light from you. Um, correct me if I'm wrong at any point here. Um, you, you made the PJ's tour school in 1981. You end up missing by a shot, unfortunately, uh, and then followed by a car accident. Uh, you care to touch on that for us at all? Yeah. Um, well, the the tour school I got by regionals, and I made it to finals in Fresno, California. And in those days. Uh, they had a final cut at the final school to the low 50, and I missed that low 50 by one, one shot. Jim Rutledge and I both did. Um, but I suppose the bright side, there were something like 5,500 guys that, that teed it up at the start at the regional qualifying. But, um, so that was a pretty sad note, um, and I never did go back. But um, the car accident in Australia... It uh, was just one of those unfortunate things, and it, it was like the doctor explained, it's like your head is a football and your uh, spine is the T. Well, the football got knocked off sideways, and that's the way I was for about a year and a half going to the doctors with the Toronto Argonauts, and so I didn't play golf for a year and a half, and that pretty much ended it, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, Dean, I wanted to ask, uh, what are some of the things that you've learned from Scott over the years? And the second part is, what are some of your best memories or experiences with Scott? Ooh, that's a loaded question. There's a, there's, we got time. There's definitely a lot. <laughs> uh, for sure, you know, I, I learned how to be a professional golfer. I think that's probably number one. Uh, cheers, buddy. Uh, I learned how to win. Molson products flying around here. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> Molson products flying around here. Free ad for the boys. Uh, I learned how to win a few tournaments watching Scott win when I was when I was younger, uh, and I should know this off by heart. But it was it nine Saskatchewan PGAs in a row. Uh, it was eight in a row. We eight, had nine eight PGAs yeah. in a row. Not a big deal. Not a big deal at all. <laughs> Not a big deal at all. I think I played in the last one that you won in that streak. Uh, to the point where they retired the trophy and renamed it the Scott Knapp Trophy because uh, he wanted so much. Uh, and you know what? Just learning how to be a pro, learning how to how to treat other golfers while you're playing, learning how to act. It's uh, it's it's been great. It really has. As far as memories, Scott and I have had we've had some beauty memories over the years. <laughs> we were uh, longtime partners in the Titleist Cup, which is a match play tournament like the Ryder Cup, Saskatchewan against Manitoba, and it seemed that uh, Napper and I always got drawn together to play, and we always got Manitoba's best, and uh, Scott and I maybe like to enjoy those Titleist Cups a little bit more <laughs> than some of the Manitoba guys, and we we certainly had some, we had some interesting matches. Uh, we were roommates for a few, and uh, a lot of really great memories from that kind of stuff, and... Uh, just the, the competitions followed by doing exactly what we're doing now, sitting around the table, having a beer, chatting about stuff, telling stories. So there's been, there's been tons of that, and probably I'll always remember the 
greatest quote I've ever heard from Scott Knapp when we're partners in alternate shot. Napper, we got 170. Brownie, there's not a club in my bag that'll go 170 <laughs> yards right now. Oh. We have that match. <laughs> Probably our greatest match ever. We should have went to bed that night, Brownie. <laughs> Well, I care to elaborate on that story. I mean, we have to f figure out that story now. What happened on the, that night? No, there was just lots of fun. Lots of fun. <laughs> a lot of camaraderie. Yeah. This segment of Off the Huzzle is brought to you by Brownie's Golf Shop at the Royal Regina, Southern Saskatchewan's premier custom club fitters. Using FlightScope and GC Quad technology, Brownie's Golf Shop will give you the high-performance club fitting you need for that new driver or set of irons. Offering a full line of clubs featuring Titleist, Ping, Callaway, TaylorMade, Cobra, and Srixen at the best prices. Brownies Golf Shop, high-performance club fitting to help you enjoy the game. Contact Dean at RoyalRegina.com to book your fitting or yardage gapping appointment. Well, uh, Scott, I want to ask, I mean, obviously you played so much golf and your knowledge for the game is unbelievable, and, you know, Dino as well, you know... <laughs> It's probably hard for yourself to picture, you know, your, your best memory of playing or, you know, best story or, I mean, just give us a rundown on, you know, some of your, let's just do your top two highlights of maybe your career. Oh, uh, from better tournaments? Uh, yeah, tournaments, you know, traveling the world. Where have you, I mean, you've been around the globe, I think. I mean, I'm not very good at uh, geo, is it geology? Is that the word? Geography. Yeah. Ge what I say? Geology. Oh wow! I'm Geography. Grilled for that one. Not good at either of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that. <laughs> well, I think probably one of my best ones because you know sponsors were hard to come by back in the day, and uh, um, I bartended in my off seasons when I wasn't playing to supplement my income, and uh, a number of uh, patrons decided they were going to sponsor me in Australia the one year. But the one guy said, no, I'm going to do it all by myself, and I'll send you these checks in, th in three increments. So I went down to Australia thinking I had this money coming, and I missed the first two cuts. And then I made a couple of cuts and made a few bucks, but he wasn't getting a big return on his money. And uh, he sent me a he f phone call was a big thing in those days from Canada to Australia. And I phoned him, and he goes, I don't think you're doing so well, and I don't know whether I want to keep up sponsoring. And I'm going, uh, okay. And I had about two or $300 in my pocket. So what do, you, what do you say to the guy? I couldn't do anything about it. So fortunately, I finished 22nd in the Australian Open the next week and made three grand. And then I went to New Zealand the following week to the New Zealand Open, and I finished ninth. And I made another three grand. So it was... That's some weird pay grades, but, though. 20 to the 9th, same amount of payment? <laughs> What's going on there? But how was I getting home before then? I wasn't sure. Yeah. Because they, it was a bursary tournament. Um, CP Air, actually, I won uh, three of their bursaries where they paid your airfare to go to Australia. So I guess I did have a, a ticket home, but <laughs> nothing to eat if I did not play that good in those two tournaments. So it was good for me, not so good for my sponsor. I'm shocked on the pay grade there. That was you went 22 and made three grand, and then you went ninth and made three grand. That's horseshit. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Well, um, the there was the same amount of money because the Australian Open was a a bigger purse, so we oh. but it ended up getting the same amount for each of them. But the, oh no, the paydays were not huge back when I played. 
the biggest check I ever made in my life was four grand. Really? And that was for winning, or well, low pro on the BC Open. I got four grand, and then the PGA, I, I finished fourth and got four grand. But they're the two biggest checks I ever made. Wow. PGA, that was in Ontario? Was that yeah. when you played with, was it Trevino or Floyd, was it? Uh, well, that was George Knudsen I played with. Uh, he won the tournament that year. Um, but uh, I played with Raymond Floyd. It was a Canadian PGA, the, the last round. He and Jim he tried to hit the driver out of the divot? Yeah. It's probably uh, a good oh. story for the people. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. But, <laughs> well, whether you call it uh, stupidity or <laughs> what. But anyway, the last I was playing with Raymond Floyd and Jim Nelford. And the Canadian Open was the following week. And I'm sitting in the middle of the fairway on, on number 18. And the ball's sitting down a bit of a hole in the... But it's a par five, and if I make three, um, I can finish about sixth in the tournament. And if I make four, I'm, I'm going to get into the Canadian Open or whatever. So I decide I'm going to peel a driver out of this uh, hole in the fairway. And I hit it solid, but I blocked it because I, it was about a six-degree driver. And blocked it into the bleachers right of the green, made seven, and... Uh, finished 14th and didn't play in the Canadian Open next week. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, I want to kind of spin that question over your way. I mean, you're laughing away here. Um, maybe your best moment, you know, you've played a ton. You've won, it seems like, everything, which is awesome. And I hope to be as one day good as both of you guys. I mean, Troy's, yeah, Troy's getting better too. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, some of your best, maybe your best moments or a couple of best moments that, that you've really experienced in your golf career. Uh, best moment, uh, I think, was probably, the best moment was probably my, my last year as an amateur making the Wellington Cup team after collapsing the year before. So I felt I've been like, there. I felt like, uh, like the year before I was second going into the last round. That's back when it was six rounds and fell all the way to ninth or tenth horrible last round got in my own way next year opposite position and and i'm third going into the last round moved up to second and really felt like i earned it so i, I think that was big for me that's when i think i really i think that as bad as it was that round that i shot 82 or 83 or whatever it was the last round of the uh, tournament at the regina club oh. sixth <laughs> round of the event <laughs> I think that probably did more good for me in the long run just because I, I really had to sit, just sit back and go, wow, what just happened? Like you can shoot 75 in, in your sleep around this track. And then when it really mattered, you shot 83. So I think that was probably really big for me the next year. And then uh, probably in 2011, I finished fourth at the Canadian PGA <coughs> match play event. Uh, Lost a really tight semifinal match that probably should have or could have won, which would have put me in the final. And uh, the way I was just playing so good. I, I just had a really good week there. And that, that's been my biggest paycheck to date was that event. But that was just, that was match play. And, and uh, that was probably, probably right up there. Well, I mean, from experience, I've played enough golf with you, Dean. And yeah, like you can play and, and you've won, like I said, multiple times on the previous podcast and now this one today but 
Um, I've learned so much from you, and, and I, I don't know if, even if I play with Scott yet, but I mean, I hope to get out, you know, this summer if we can uh, set that up and get some golf and then learn a ton from, I mean, I've learned a lot from you and still learning uh, even how to be an adult sometimes, but I mean, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, both of you guys have so much knowledge and experience of playing at the, you know, professional level, amateur level and, and whatnot. I mean, it, it's, this has been fun. I mean, we're going to move on. We're not going to just close up yet here, but I mean, I just wanted to say thanks again. And, and I, know, I know Troy's learning a ton today too. So it's, yeah. Um, I wanted to, before we move on here, uh, both of you guys, you know, we have, I mean, Dino, we've talked about this before. Uh, but both of you guys, we'll start with, uh, with Scott here. Um, you know, we have lots of young listeners and they want to play college and play pro and make the big times, you know, like Graham and all those guys. What is some advice, you know, one piece or, you know, just really some advice for those young guys and girls um, to get to that next level? Yeah, that's a, that's a good one, Drew, uh, because that brings back to what, what, how this started out when we were that that age. Um, yeah, it has to be, you know, in your blood and uh, a passion um, in, in any sport, but in particular golf. Um, so all I could say to the young kids coming up, if you love it and you have the passion for it, nobody gives you anything that you got to go out and get it and uh, have open ears and listen to everybody. Don't necessarily believe everything you hear, but chew it up and spit it out and retain the, the good stuff that you hear, spit out the bad stuff. But you, if you're going to make it, you, you have to make it on your own. Um, it's not something that uh, hard work, you cannot replace it. If you're not that good, you want to get better, you got to work harder. And, but you have to work on the right things, which nowadays young kids are getting instructors that know what they're doing. Um, but make sure you get the right one. Uh, because there's good and bad ones, but it's got to suit your game. And that's where golf swings change. Uh, they never change is what I'm trying to say, that, but they can try and change you, and it can not necessarily going to be for the good. So you have to retain um, your own qualities or signature in your golf swing for the tempo and the timing that it requires to hit a golf ball solidly. That uh, You can't be taught that it's sort of an instinct but uh, you, to, uh, but you have to polish all parts of your game. You have to be able to drive it. You have to be able to hit long irons, and most importantly, you got to be able to to putt the eyes out of it and a, a tremendous short game. But I always remember around is 18 holes, um, eight or 14 of those 18 shots. What's the most important club in the bag, in my opinion, driver, because that's why they're par fours and fives. So you better learn how to drive the golf ball straight and long. And when I say long, you don't have to hit it 350. It would be nice if you could hit it like Brownie does, 350, <laughs> and all these younger kids coming up. But 300 isn't bad. 280 isn't bad because you're still in the fairway and can play. But, um, yeah, don't, if you have the passion, don't be swayed by people t giving you wrong information. Stick to your guns. Work as hard as you can and get the right people working with you, which is a good teacher and your mom and dad. Quickly, Dean, before we go to you, uh, PG of Candace Sass tweeted and it kind of blew up. Scott is like the famous E.F. Hutton commercial from the 80s. When E.F. Hutton talks, people listen. 
So that's uh, that couldn't have been. I mean, that's tough to follow. You know, that was a that was great. Uh, that that's. Well, he's I'm he's nailed it. No, he's <laughs> nailed it. Who was that? That was our PJ. PJ Sasty. Yeah, they threw a. It was a doc. Yeah, he runs a. Yeah, Probably runs, doc. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just said uh, at closing now, but EF Hutton, uh, the old commercial, I don't know what the hell that is, but I mean, they basically said that uh, when people... It's are, just like a tea time. He doesn't know what the <laughs> hell that is. When when you talk, people listen, and... Oh, Dino, this is a, this is a tough look for me today. Might lose viewers now. Um, but yeah, no, that's... Like, I just got inspired. I, I got goosebumps there. It was like Herb Brooks talking to me. I mean, that's uh, unbelievable. That's great, Scott. I mean, Dino, if you want to touch on that as well, if you can. I mean, Well, it, Scott nailed it. You know, it's, it's not easy. And unfortunately, just because you want it doesn't mean you'll get it. Like, there's so many, there's so many other things that are involved in it. Uh, getting a few breaks at the right time. I think we've had this talk before. You can play great all year long. And the one week that maybe your back's a little tight or you're you got a headache or whatever is the week of your provincial tournament, you know, and it's not the PGA tour. There's not 40 tournaments, you know, you, you have to, your body has to peak that at that right time. And, and then just the, the mental side of golf is so can be so hard on yourself sometimes. And, uh, you, you have to be able to forget the shot and move on. And, and like I've told you lots, you can't cheat the game. Like Scott says, you got to put the time in, you got to put the work in and you got to be, you got to be a little selfish and you got to, uh, you just got to get out there and work your tail off. Alrighty, righty. Uh, now off to our segment now. Questions from the gallery sponsored by Player Golf. Be sure to use the promo code off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. That's off the hosel 15 for 15% off of your orders. And uh, I guess, I mean, free plug for Dino. I mean, I mean, he pays the big bucks around here. So, I mean, check out the Roller Giner Golf Shop and the Brownies uh, golf, golf Shop, I guess, and buy your player gear there. Sorry, everyone else. All right, Scott. So first question comes from Rick Freeze, and he wants to know your best Mo Norman story, and how much cash did he carry around in the trunk of his Cadillacs? Ah. Oh, Rick. Because <laughs> we've had a lot of conversations with being a Rick used to work for him. He's a great guy. Um, one of the best stories I think was when I think it was my second year on a Canadian tour. Danny Talbot, this uh, fellow from Quebec, and myself were paired with Mo in the Quebec Open. And uh, we got on the first hole, and Danny and I are both quite, we're a little nervous, and uh, playing with Mo, the legend. And Mo gets up and hits his first tee shot, and they had a spotter, it was a dog leg right uh, par five out there because guys tried to cut the corner. Right. And they said, the spotter waved that possibly out of bounds. Okay, so Mo tees up another one and hits it exactly down the same line as that one. Right. And the spotter makes the same motion, it, it may be out of bounds. And Mo goes, hoo, 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 don't <laughs> think they are. And they, somebody has to hit another one. So he hits another one, exactly the same as that one. And he goes out there, and there's three balls sitting within, by these three beer bottles, six inches apart. <laughs> and uh, he says, this is my first one. And it's not out of bounds. <laughs> and wow. the other two were six inches out of bounds. That's crazy. But he knew that his first one was in. That's but nuts. he went ahead and hit the other two anyway just to show them. Wow. And he made sure they were six inches out. Sounds like a crock. It is not. 
That's crazy. And what about the Cadillacs? Cash in the Cadillacs. <laughs> Dollar signs and Cadillacs. <laughs> yeah. That's that's why Mo said he never won on the PGA Tour or whatever, because all he could see coming down in the last round, last nine holes, were dollar dollar signs and Cadillacs. <laughs> And that was the one thing he always told me what to do. I'm, I know I'm not answering your question, but uh, he, it's he's, Rick's question, not mine. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> right. So um, Mo used to tell me when you get in position to win today, and I go, well, I'm Mo, I'm five shots back. For some reason, he would know when you get in position today. I'd want you to think of the nicest thing you can think of, other than golf. He says, if it's a beach in Hawaii, a beach in Hawaii, that's what you think of. Forget about the dollar signs and Cadillacs. That's what's killing you. So I thought about nothing but great things all the way to that last nine holes, and I made five birdies in a row and came in. And as everybody here in Regina knows, Cease Ferguson won that tournament, the BC Open. He made an 80-footer on the last hole to beat me. And uh, How I How big is that green? Pardon me? How big is that green? 100 feet. <laughs> At Quilchina. It was on the left front. He was back right. But anyway, uh, if he three putts, we, um, I win. If he two putts, we go into a playoff. And, and anyway, he makes it. Okay. Um, I got the four grand. That was one of my – he got a set of irons because Cease was the last amateur to win a, a, a Canadian pro tour event. And that was in 1976, I think. But how did I get on that? Because we – because Rick Freeze <laughs> wanted to know a couple of good stories about Mo Norman and how much money did he have in his trunk, right? Yeah, the Cadillacs, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much all of it, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. His, his suitcase was his trunk, and everything he owned was in it. <laughs> yeah. He, he carried $9,000 in his, I know for a fact, because he offered it to me in the Edmonton airport when I told him I didn't have a good year, Mo, I've got to go back to Toronto and bartend. He goes, whoo, you can't get better bartending. <laughs> so he reaches into his pocket. He reaches into his pocket and a wad I am not getting you. And he hands it to me. And I, I go, Mo, forget it. It was, I found out it was $9,000, a wad of $1,100 bills. And he goes, take it. You're coming to Florida. I did not take it because there's no chance because I would... But that's the kind of, you asked me a while ago how, what kind of a man Mo was. That's yeah. the kind of man he was. And I never did take it, but that's, he offered it to me. So he had lots of money, Rick. And, uh, but most of it was in the trunk of his car. But a lot of it was buried in tin cans around a golf course in Daytona Beach, which I can't tell you because people will be down there digging <laughs> it up. Did you, did you go to Florida? Did I go to Florida? Oh, I spent, uh, from the time I was 18 till I was 23 there in the wintertime. Huh. Wow. Um, I was a landlord. Really? I had a beach house in New Smyrna Beach. I had nine beds in it. And I rented <laughs> it out. It cost me $280 a month to rent the place. And I had nine beds. I rented it out to golf pros from New York State, Ontario, for 50 bucks each a month. Were you cooking so breakfast I, too? Don't tell revenue. Did you cooking? <laughs> Sorry? <laughs> Were you cooking breakfast too or what? Uh, not a chance. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a tough one. You know, Dino and Scott, this is from Chad McCormick, you know, and this is, I'm sure everyone wants to know. 
Uh, and I probably owe, you know, the Tor Hill a few dollars from this man. And just in general, he's such a good dude. You guys know him, obviously, too well. Um, Dino, jump in whenever you can here. But uh, God bless his soul, you know, Brad Herridge and, and the Hinge. You know, Scott, you were boss and, and a mentor and a, you know, you mentioned off the record, best friend, you know. Just, uh, you know, maybe touch on maybe your favorite memory or story from your days with Brad and obviously Dino after uh, Scott's tenure. I'm yeah, your first yeah okay. Yeah, no, I met Brad at the um, Trafalgar Golf Course in Toronto, Ontario, and uh, he was working in the back shop, and I was that at that time playing the Canadian Tour, and Brad caddied for me in my the, the events that were around our the the Ontario area, and he also caddied for me down in Florida a little bit, but his whole family were just a big big golf. His, his two brothers, and they both worked at the golf course. So golf was his life also. Um, and in my opinion, it's not stories because Brad was one big story. His whole life was. And he everybody loved him. Um, but the thing that uh, most about Brad was uh, his brothers and his family, how much golf meant to them. And uh, he decided he was going to come out to Regina with me when I became the head pro at Tor Hill. And nice. uh, um, uh, we said we weren't going to get emotional, but uh, no, he, um, he was my right-hand man in everything that I did. And in my opinion, he was the best golf professional in Canada for looking after the, the customer. And I... If you probably well remember at Bradley's funeral, it's the biggest one I've been to. Because that's the kind of guy he was. He, he made sure that he looked after the customer. And he was, without a doubt, the best all-round golf professional that I've ever known. Do you know? Yeah, the hinge, he was a beauty. <laughs> uh, I never worked with him, but uh, obviously I saw him. You know, his, his weather reports at the faster legendary he'd get on there and this is your captain speaking <laughs> over the loud phone and the frost delay whatever the whatever the ounce was but uh i did play with brad quite a bit and i don't uh i don't think that brad ever got the credit for the golf swing that he had like he could stripe the ball like he, he'd get on a roll and and uh there we there was this many years ago we had a two-man tournament up in saskatoon where you played Oh, you played, uh, what did we do? We went up and we played 36 the one day with one round at Silverwood and then uh, another round the next day. And Brad and I, for whatever reason, we were partners in that one for three, four years. And I just remember always thinking, like, you know, that talk about a guy who gets in his own way, maybe a little bit too much off the course, but his golf swing, he could stripe the ball. What a great fairway wood player. Oh, <laughs> he, he could. I'm the worst fairway wood player probably in the history of Canada. You know, I have 50% ratio of tops to good shots. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the hinge, man, yeah, he could stripe a fairway off the yeah. uh, fairway wood off the tightest lie. And, uh, you know, he, he was a pretty good putter, and he just uh, he had some interesting thoughts about how to play the game sometimes. <laughs> they can, yeah. the, his story of uh, up at uh, Waska Sioux where he had to call, jeez, uh, who'd he call over? I think he called Tony or Tony the 20 over. <laughs> Tony, is it on or off? <laughs> Tony looks down at his ball and it's hanging over the fringe on the green. 
you know, that it could go either way. This leaner, call, yeah. yeah, a little leaner. Tony goes, it's off. <laughs> Hingely back to the bag, grabs the 60-degree wedge, and blades are halfway up the first fairway. <laughs> Waskasu. <laughs> Oh, yeah. On or off. On or off, boys. It's always on. You're playing with the hinge. But yeah, you know, it's, uh, it's a beauty. Hinge was a beauty. He was, he was a great guy. He was always really good to me when I was young, first got in. And, jeez, uh, I believe when he came out, did he work for Graham first over at Toscana? He worked for me first, and then he went over and worked for uh, Graham. He did work for Graham, yeah, because I, I did. Oh, yeah, uh, he worked for for me first and then went over to Graham. Yeah, because I remember uh, I went to a junior. The first time I met Hinge was at a junior camp over at the Wascana. Yeah. That, uh, well, that was my first encounter with him over there. And I, this long, lanky guy with these big feet strutting down the range. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, he was a beauty. He's a, he was certainly a, a legend in, uh, in the Saskatchewan PGA for sure. And he'll be, uh, well, he is. He's deeply missed by, by many. You guys couldn't have said that any better and yeah, like you guys said, I mean, and, and we'll say again, you know, God bless uh, his soul. I mean, Brad, that's, I mean, Scott and Dino, you guys said that perfectly. So this is a question for both of you guys. Uh, Dean, you can go first, Scott second. Hole-in-ones, how many? And uh, where? I've got six. Holy. I've six. Got, uh, how many is that, Drew, you got? Drew's at still, the zero. Still a sub zero, yeah. I've got uh, one in Swift Current, uh, one in Prince Albert, and four at the Royal Regina. Wow, that's awesome. I wish. Four at the Royal? <laughs> four at the Royal. All the part threes? No, haven't got the fourth hole. Really? And, and Scott? Um, four hole in ones. I got the microphone up to my face. It's, it's working. Yeah. I can see the sound bars. Uh, is, is it, are they going up high? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've had four. Uh, not uh, Two of them were in Ontario, one in B.C., and one in Florida. You didn't ask double eagles, though, did you? I had one of those, too. I got zero double eagles. Zero double eagles. I've seen burn. about four, but yeah. I've got let it, zero. Let it, okay, now, now I sound dumb. A two on a five? Yes. No. I've seen a one on a four. Yeah. Who is that? Diesel. At the tour? At the uh, Deer Valley on the 12th hole. Walking through here. I think Rick Freeze, Rick Freeze hit driver to... The 12th hole? Yeah, that... That's a par five. Oh, sorry, 13th hole, 13th hole. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Diesel, Rick Freeze and him were playing a match, and Rick Freeze hit it to about three feet with his driver, and Diesel hit it right in the hole. Wow. <laughs> Pick up, bud. <laughs> You're good for two, Ricky. <laughs> Wow! Didn't see that one. Heard heard the stories though. That, that one, I think, uh, I think Richards lost a night or two sleep over that one. <laughs> Did Scott answer the question? You asked him. Yeah. Okay, good. And for everyone that's wondering, we are—I don't know if I said earlier—three three mics for four dudes in here. So, yeah, we're fighting it right now. Uh, Scott um, and I guess Dean after as well. Uh, most cash you've played for? The most cash I played for. Um, like this is a, a side match or whatever. Yeah, a match or I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I can remember that one very well. But you've got to remember the inflation factor, right? This was back in 1974. Okay. And I was working in a golf shop, and I was making 125 dollars a week, and they, this was a high gambling golf course, and 
one of the members said, I need you as a partner to play these two guys from another golf course. And he says, I'll try to cover you if I can. So we, we come and play our golf course, and we're playing a $50 Nassau, okay? And I'm making 125 bucks a week, right? We lose $650 each, okay? So that's equated to... Who was your partner? <laughs> hey, get yeah. in here. I need help. Yeah. So we lose... a 90 cap? We lose 650 <laughs> And he goes, I ended up having to come up with, I told him I didn't have the money, right? So he goes, well, we're going to have a rematch with them next week at their golf course. How the, yeah. And anyway, I, sh I shot 65 that round and we made $950. <laughs> this is a $50 on that one, So do you think there's any presses going on? There's a press or two. <laughs> that was the biggest gambling game I had ever been in, but that, well, it was, yeah, it was 40. Nope, I still can't. <laughs> Dino? Yeah, my story is similar to that. It's not about how much it was. It was about how much it was in relation to what you had, you know, at the time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, when, when you've only got, you know, $74.50 in your bank account and you end up in a, in a $300 match, $100 Nassau with presses, uh, that's really big. <laughs> if you got, you know, if you're ebbs and silly and you're playing a couple hundred Rats. a hole and you're Rats. making 6.5 a year, it's not really a big deal, right? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I think it's all relative to just how uncomfortable you, you get. So I had a few when I was younger where I was probably playing a little outside of my means like Scotty, but uh, nothing, nothing crazy, big money matches, just maybe a little bit more than the pocketbook uh, would justify. Actually, and I, I want to I wanna turn things around here a little bit. I'm going to ask you a question, Drew. What's the most you've won, lost, or played for? Um, well, I'm not going to lie. I, I always lose to Dean. We always play a match with Dean, and he always goes, hey, I'll play you for 100 bucks." Is that what it goes? Basically, if I win, I get $100. If, if I lose, I pay you 20 And And terrible odds for him, really. But he, he goes, Drew's so shitty. I'm just going to beat him anyways. And I had never won yet. So, yeah, I've never won. And when I do play, very similar to Scott's story, uh, Sean McNall, um, I won't say where he works. There's no free ads. But um, he, he uh, I'll float you. Like, we lost the other day. We were playing Xbox, and we lost $140 on Xbox playing a golf game. Mm -hmm. He goes, I'll float you. I'm like, we're relying my money on a video game? <laughs> like, are you kidding me? But, yeah, so, no, I've, uh, I've, I don't think I've ever I have won $20 here and there. I was good in the junior days, though. I won a ton of milkshakes. That's why I did a barrel now at 24. That's so huge back in back in the junior <laughs> days, winning a milkshake and a basket of fries. Uh, Scott, so what's the or what was or is the strongest part of your game and the weakest part of your game? And Dino. And Dean. Can I answer uh, Scott's? Oh, here, let's do that. You tell us what you think Scott is, and Scott vice versa, and then you guys both tell us your answers. Scott's the best driver of the golf ball I've ever seen. And, and I think he said that when he said, when he was talking about his Driving skills, yeah. you got to be able to drive the ball. If you need someone to drive it on a fairway for your life, I'm picking Scotty Knapp. Thanks, well. Brownie. Thank you very much. But uh, <laughs> No, I, I, I'm, that's very kind. But no, I do believe that driving the ball in the fairway is a, a pretty big thing. Yeah. And your weakest? Yeah, weakest. My weakest? Um, 
probably uh, the last, my long play, not the long iron play and whatnot, I've had to opt into hybrids and whatnot now to get it airborne. Hungover <laughs> shots from 170 yards? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Over a marsh. We will talk about the story up, off the record. 20-yard layup. <laughs> Jay, now you tell us what you think Dino's strongest is, and weakness is, and I know, I think I know Dean's. Uh, you tell us what you think uh, Dino's strongest and weakness is. Well, there's one that uh, Brownie is notorious for is his how far he hits it off the off the tee. Mm -hmm. I'm just am absolutely it. amazed. I know there's a lot of guys that hit it long now, and yeah, maybe there are some that are are longer, but there was nobody that would hit it with brownie and and they knew that in canada right across canada the guys go who is this guy downtown and, dean brown yeah. don't get going alone uh, just mash and the ball brownie <laughs> was a, a straight driver of the golf ball too but and that's where i think a lot of people credited brownie because of his length why he played so well no brownie is one of the best wedge players that i have seen nips the ball yeah he showed me some stuff Sorry, go on, Scott. Yeah, but no, his <laughs> and his short game, his short game, and as I've always said, you've got you have to have it. And to me, Brownie's a very good driver of the golf ball, but I think his short game is the best part of his game. Uh, Dino, you mentioned off the record. Um, you have a question for Scott, and then I'll ask my last question. Unless Troy has one, um, you wanted to ask Scott a question from the gallery here. I think we've all had that one round that we thought was was our best round. I know. Uh, Mine was with you at the Murray. Mm -hmm. I'm just wondering if you can recall one round. I, I, don't, I don't. Have you ever broken 60? No, I was 61 twice. Yeah. 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 So I'm just wondering what what that round is. What, well, what, what do you think your best round is, or your maybe? For me, that was what I feel was my one chance that so far I've had to break 60. Yeah. Was that round with you at the Murray? Mm -hmm. But got away a little well i know you asked me a half hour ago and i was trying to think of what it was but it just <laughs> it just clicked <laughs> um actually it was in saskatoon at the saskatoon country club and that was back in 77 i think um i was out of commission again i had a, a real bad wrist injury and i was out of commission for about two months three months and i flew out without having even touched a golf club at that time, flew out to play in the Saskatchewan Open, and it was at Saskatoon Country Club. The Pro-Am, I shot 63 in my first round in the, the months, which was a course record at that time, and uh, spurred me on. I ended up getting beat in a sudden death playoff in the actual Sask Open uh, by Jerry Anderson, who I mentioned earlier. Yeah. But that was probably one not expecting, Yeah. you know. That's usually when they happen. Yeah. So... To both you gents, favorite beverage after a round of golf? Dean? Uh, Be careful what you say, I've, too. I've always been partial to a, to an MGD or a Coors oh. Light, I would say. is uh, Coors, yeah. That's perfect. Stewie, like a, you listen to this like now? Nothing like a cold beer after a round of golf. Favorite beverage after a round of golf? Definitely beer. Yep. Well, guys, this has been, uh, I think, so much fun we just experienced our first live interview and i think couldn't have been uh any better um any last stories do you know you have for uh, scott or vice versa for us and actually don't ask me anything because i don't have an answer for it probably so <laughs> you guys uh you know do you know if you uh take the floor here if you have a question or last story 
Uh, I think I'm good. I think two podcasts, that's a lot for me. I feel like I've been talking into this mic for a month. But <laughs> no, this is, uh, like I said to you last time I was on, I think you guys are doing a great thing here for Saskatchewan Golf. And uh, when you mentioned you were going to have uh, Scotty on, I kind of jumped in on you there and said, hey, like, let me be a part of this and help ask maybe a few questions that uh, some guys don't know because I think uh, people need to know more about uh, Hall of Famer Scotty Knapp. Well, and Dean Brown Hall of Famer. I don't really have too much more uh, that I, on stories or whatever, but um, like I say, I moved out here in 1985 from Ontario, the Big Apple, Toronto. Um, I was only planning on spending a couple of years uh, until I, I thought my back and neck would get better. And had the, you know, the people out here were awesome to me from the day I, I walked in here. I, the genuine... People are so genuine in Saskatchewan. Um, they made me feel more than welcome and at home from the time I arrived here, and especially the golf pros. Uh, I, f I felt, I don't know, we just got hit it right off, right away. But then again, I, I met my wife and had my twin boys, Kelly and Trent, my wife Julie, and uh, life is good, and I've been here 35 years now, and I hope this podcast uh, for Saskatchewan and Regina is a, a big success for you. It's, uh, I know I've enjoyed it. Well, yeah. I mean, I like I said. I mean, off the record, on record. I mean, Dino. I played golf with you all the time, and it's always a pleasure. And I, le I learned a ton. I know Troy will probably uh, talk to you off the record here about that. Um, and Scott, uh, I, I hope to. Uh, I don't think we, we ever played, so I hope to get out this summer and, and play some golf. And, and I sincerely mean that. Um, and Dino, I hope to take a hundred dollars off you because uh, yeah, that'd be fun. Um, but thanks, boys. This has been fun. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, hope to have you guys back on again soon here. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Cheers. guys. This episode of Off the Hosel is brought to you by Extreme Hockey and Sports and Umbrella Marketing Solutions. One stop for all your sports, marketing, and corporate team and sales. Come down and see Donnie and Daphne for all your sports and corporate needs or contact at this number, 306-539-6101 or email Donnie Uren at ExtremeHockey.net. That's D-O-N-N-Y-U-H-R-E-N at ExtremeHockey.net. All right, there it is, the interview with Scott Knapp and Dean Brown. Wow, a lot of fun with that one. First in-house one that we said earlier in the podcast, um, you know, really good interview. Troy, what were your th thoughts on that interview? Well, I had a pleasure meeting Dean and Scott. Never met either of them before, and I think we saw might have become friends after that. I'm not too sure, but... Uh, Scotty had a few good stories. My favorite, though, still, and I'm going to say it again, is dollar bills and Cadillacs. Woo -hoo, woo -hoo. <laughs> yeah, those uh, two legends that come in and tell some really good stories and just a lot of influence on the game. Pretty cool that, you know, he got to play golf with Greg Norman and VJ Singh and Gary Player, and there's a whole bunch of them. Arnie Palmer, too, right? No, it wasn't Arnie. Nope. I don't played it. junior C hockey against the Toronto Marlies and beat them. Yeah. That's yeah. a cool story. Oh, it was awesome. It was a good interview. Yeah, a lot of fun with those two guys. Um, quickly, I guess we'll go over, I mean, we're talking to, uh, you know, me and D. Hag. Hag is still here, guys. Uh, don't forget about him. He's still in the, still in the house. Uh, but uh, our good buddy, Dryden Hunt, tomorrow night. And wow, that's going to be an awesome, awesome time with him. He's a weapon. Uh, Danny, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Uh, me and Drew, you know, we, we went to high school with him, so... 
that'll be some good catching up and get some good stories in there for, for everyone else. So, especially with gym class in grade what, 11, 12, Drew? Like grade 11, yeah. Some funny stories there. So that'll be a, that'll be a funny one. Yeah, Hansi's a beauty. It'll be fun. He has a, you know, remember him buzzing around playing Notre Dame all the time, the little guy? Oh, yeah. He's, He's a good player. Yeah. Uh, great story with him, though, but we won't give any way uh, more notes on that. It's a great interview. So, Troy, anything else before I send you off? Well, I want our, all of our listeners just to remember to uh, pay attention to tomorrow's Facebook page, uh, Off the Hosel, Twitter page at underscore Off the Hosel, and Instagram page at underscore Off the Hosel, as we will be... Uh, putting out that i don't know you want to call it super giveaway super giveaway big big mega size big prize package for a w- one lucky winner uh so stay tuned and uh we'll let you we'll let you know how you can win your your mega giveaway daniel anything nope just yeah try out that contest and someone's getting spoiled here boys so <laughs> it'll be whoever wins that so gonna be pretty lucky it's a good good package d hags always a pleasure take care buddy yeah, you too Troy, my co-host, always a pleasure with having you in the house here. Take care. You too, my friend. We will talk to you guys next week. Monday, have a great Wednesday, weekday, whatever day this is. If you're behind, that's fine too. We have lots of podcasts out there for you guys. Bye. See ya. Love you guys.